as parents, you cannot guarantee that they are going to uh, buy into your faith, that they're going to recognize it and say, yes, I want what mom and dad have. You can't guarantee that uh, your children are going to want that. So you, you pray and you live it out and you try to um, be honest and you confess when you've made mistakes and, and you're as real as you can with your children so that they understand that it's authentic. And so you still can't guarantee the outcome. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Friday edition of our broadcast. Our host is the Executive Director of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and along with his wife, Barbara, who is in the studio with us, we have been pouring over some ground here that is loaded up with bear traps and muskrat traps and all kinds of varmint traps. That's really an illustration that we've used throughout this series to talk about the dangers that are laid for our sons and our daughters as they pass through adolescence. That's right. And we're trying to equip parents to spot these traps and then help our children avoid them as they move through the perilous teenage years. And it's a it's a mom-dad thing together. Single parents can do it. But uh, they have a more challenging task. Barbara, we've talked about some of the the more subtle traps throughout this series. We've talked about things like mediocrity and busyness, about the tongue, some of the things that are just – well, they they can take us by surprise as parents if we're not alert to them. And yet we've slowed down here near the end of the series to talk about what is really foundational, and that is our children's spiritual lives. Even if we hit the trap of uh, busyness or mediocrity and get snared by it – as long as the spiritual foundation of a child is in place, uh, they're going to be pointed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. We really need to keep focused on what's most important in raising our children. And above all else, uh, and in the end, all that's really going to matter is how we have steered our children spiritually. If we've pointed them to Christ and we've helped them understand what it means to be a believer and how they can be one and how they can own that is their uh, for their own faith. That's that's the central uh, mission for us as parents. Mm-hmm. Barbara, as your children were going through adolescence, did you ever look at them and ask yourself questions like, "I wonder if they're really Christians. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if they're going to make it. I wonder if spiritually they're going to shipwreck, or if if they'll pass through the waves and come out okay on the other side." Yeah, the answer to all those questions, and yes, I've wondered those. I've wondered every one of those things. And we're not through yet, so we don't have the answers to those questions because we're still very much in process with our younger three. But as parents, you cannot guarantee that they are going to uh, buy into your faith, that they're going to recognize it and say, yes, I want what mom and dad have. You can't guarantee that uh, your children are going to want that. So you you pray and you live it out and you try to – be honest and you confess when you've made mistakes and and you're as real as you can with your children so that they understand that it's authentic. And so you still can't guarantee the outcome. And Dennis, parents would love that kind of a guarantee. In fact, they want to do whatever they can typically to to make sure they're, they're doing it all right. What have been the things that you and Barbara have found, the, the practical things that you've done that you think have helped nudge your kids in the right direction? I think if if we could boil it down to one premise, a lot of things are attached to this, but one basic assumption 
um, both Barbara and I would say that where we have had the greatest impact in our children's lives is through our continued involvement in their lives. It's through our relationship. It's through spiritual involvement. It's taken a lot of different forms, but we as parents have to engage our children heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, shoulder-to-shoulder at points. You've got to be out there with them in, in their pursuits. And, and Barbara and I talk from time to time. It's exhausting to be able to do this, but all the things we've done, whether it's a, a Proverbs Bible study with uh, one of our children at breakfast time once a week, or whether it's it's giving our child uh, a Bible study like Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, uh, you don't just pass these things to them, delegate it to them, and then never check back in with them. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it's a dialogue. It's a dialogue from the beginning, and it's a continued discussion and the processing of faith, because you're actually helping that child move from hitchhiking on your faith to moving to that time when they leave home and they begin to depend upon God on their own. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a transference of truth, of life, and of faith. Barbara, we go to a good church. It's a good evangelical Bible-believing church, and yet when our girls, our older two, hit the seventh grade, Marianne and I looked at one another and said, time for one of us to plug into the youth group, to help out, to volunteer, Mm -hmm. to be there when activities go on, not because we're suspicious. Well, okay, so maybe we're a little (laughs) suspicious. Sure you are. You're wanting to check out the guys and see what they're up to. (laughs) You better be suspicious a little bit. (laughs) Well, I guess what I'm saying is even in a good, comfortable, solid, evangelical environment, mom and dad still need to be right there in the midst of things, plugged in. Well, and that's that's a good picture of what we mean by involvement, because I think there's a difference in serving our kids and in being involved with our kids. Uh, there's a difference in leading them and just giving them things. And I think sometimes we get confused as parents, and we think we're involved because we attend ball games and we give them the lessons and the things that they need to be successful in life. But we're really just providing. We're not really involved in, a, in an intimate way with what's going on in their lives and in their hearts. And so one of the ways that we wanted to ensure that our faith was passed on to our kids was not just to tell them about it, not just to take them to church, but to get in there and do it with them. So when we um, wanted to talk to our kids about having a ministry on their campus and what it means to be a missionary, what it means to be looking out for the welfare of others, we didn't just say, this is what I want you to do, now go do it. We tried to go with them as much as we could. And uh, instead of just sending our kids to a conference, we have gone with our kids to a conference. And like you're saying with the youth group, instead of just dropping them off, we've become involved as much as we can in as many things as we can so that we not only know what's going on for their protection and we know who the kids are, but we can interact over what they're hearing and we can dialogue about what's going on so that it's not just something that they're getting out there that we're dropping them off and saying, here's where you pick up the Christianity lessons, like you get the <laughs> gymnastics lessons here or piano lessons there. You get your, your Christianity lessons at youth group and church and things. You don't just drop them off so that somebody else can mm-hmm. do it. You go with them to those things so that you can be a part of that part of their lives and you can validate it and they can interact with you and understand that this is, this is what mom and dad really believe and here's why. Dennis, I, I want our listeners to catch just what's being talked about here because you guys have got Plenty of activities keep you busy, right? Man. Growing family. Absolutely. Six kids. Yep. The ministry is growing. Check it off. Yep. Writing books. Right. you got radio you're involved with, speaking opportunities. You do a little bit of traveling from time to time, right? From time to time. 
And so in the midst of all of that, here comes this idea about starting a ministry at your kid's high school, and you guys got right in the middle of that and were a big part of it. Well, about 10 years ago, Ashley was in junior high, and we decided we were going to do this. And so we had a speaker come over to our house. We bought 100 hot dogs, 100 hot dog buns. We had a bonfire. We had 15 chaperones, and we had eight kids show up. Mm-hmm. We had hot dogs for the next <laughs> century. <laughs> I mean, we had enough s'mores. you still got a few hot dogs. Man, around the house. <laughs> those babies are petrified. But, you know, we were all set for all the kids to show up, and they never showed. And the reason was is there wasn't any kind of Christian influence on the junior high or high school campus to show up. But did you know now, 10 years later, what we have is anywhere from 60 to 400 students coming out once a month to a ministry that owes its inception all the way back to that uh, hot dog fiasco at our house. <laughs> and and it occurred as we have had six kids involved in this process and as we as parents got involved and then called other parents to roll up their sleeves and get involved with us. And we became volunteers in an outreach at, at junior high and high school with a ministry called Student Venture. And basically, they'll coach you over the phone and tell you how to do it and how to set up these meetings. And it starts slow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if if you're committed over uh, a number of years, I believe you can see uh, a movement of young people, that is, a group of young people raised up who begin to own their campus and are concerned about the spiritual well-being of their friends. Barbara, as you sat down and planned that hot dog fiasco, as Dennis called it, <laughs> did you have any idea what you were getting yourself into? And had you, as a couple, interacted and said, this is going to take some time and effort, but it's worth it? Well, I don't know that we were that planned, that we had really thought it through to that degree. But I knew as a parent, and Dennis knew as a parent, that we couldn't just tell our kids to go have a ministry, that they needed they needed to see what it looked like. And for in order for them to see what it looked like, we needed to get involved with them and show them how to do some of these things. We needed to go with them. Um, and so we were willing to pay the price and to do whatever it took time-wise to help our kids reach their school for Christ. And even if it's not that big, reaching your whole school, but just reaching a couple of friends so that they're thinking about others. They're not just thinking about themselves. Yeah, whether you see your mission field as your high school, your community, or the world, right. it really goes back to something that you impress on your children. You did this in the sixth grade Sunday school class. You helped orient them toward missions, right? That's exactly right. And and I would say this is another thing you need to do as parents. And if, if you're listening and you don't have a teenager yet, one of the shrewdest and smartest things you could do would be to start teaching a sixth grade Sunday school class. <laughs> we did that more than a decade ago. And the process of doing that, we just thought we were teaching 11 and 12 year olds. No, they took us to school. In fact, this book, Parenting Today's Adolescent, would never have been written had we not taught more than 500 11 and 12 year olds over uh, an 11 year period, Bob. Those young people taught us an enormous amount, and and one of the lessons we taught them was uh, around the whole idea uh, toward the end of their their sixth grade year. I I said, you know, there's there's two ways you can go into junior high. You can either go as a missionary or you can go as a mission field. You can either go as a missionary and, and go with a message and go to impact others and to see other people's lives changed for Christ, or you can go and become a mission field and be in need of someone talking to you. 
and uh, at the end of that session, we would seat these young people one at a time in a room, and it, this was a fascinating experience. Uh, to their right was a door marked missionary, and to their left was a door marked mission field. There was nothing between them and the door called mission field, mm-hmm. unobstructed, clear pathway to get to that door. They could hear a party going on on the other side, You probably. could just walk <laughs> right on through that door. The door on the right, however, that was marked missionary had tables, chairs, obstacles, blackboards piled up against it. And I mean, it took an enormous amount of effort to crawl down, in, around, and through, and uh, squeeze through areas before you got to the door and fought your way through to open the door to go through the door called missionary. And uh, it was interesting, Bob. Um, they would make the decision to go through that missionary door. Now, I'm no dummy. I know that many of those young people didn't turn out to be the influence they should have been. But I can't help but think, because of the numbers of these young people I've run into in some of the most uh, unusual places, a grocery store the other night, I ran into one uh, mom of a young lady who told of her daughter, who is now teaching younger Uh, teenagers about how to abstain from sex, and she's teaching what she learned in that sixth-grade Sunday school class to uh, junior high students. She's a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. I finished my conversation with her and rolled my cart on around by the the milk and cheese, and there was a young man who was now eye-to-eye with me who walked up and said, you don't remember me, do you, Mr. Rainey? And I said, no, I sure don't. There was a reason. He used to be about four foot three, little, <laughs> little short thing, and, and now he's six foot tall. And his mom was standing there, and she said, she said he's doing great. Mm. And she said uh, he's really having an influence on his, uh, on his school. And she said his older brother, who went through your class, is, um, is really having an impact in college. Well, what's the point of that illustration? I believe that young people today— 10, 11, 12 years of age, on into early adolescence, are fully capable of making determinative life choices. Hear me. They can make a commitment and a decision that will impact their lives for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Our problem is, folks, we are not challenging these young people to a high enough standard, nor are we giving them the, the spiritual mission that our Savior gave us. We've got to lift up the standard. We've got to exalt the call and challenge our young people today to step forward and obey Christ and become his representative in junior high. Because if they don't become a missionary, they will become a mission field. Barbara, it can be discouraging as a parent wondering if any of what you're doing is sinking in, making sense, connecting in any way, uh, whether your kids are really getting it. When's the point during adolescence, when you see the lights kind of come on and you go, I think there's something happening. (laughs) Well, it would be nice if I could say early, but it's usually late. It's usually more like a junior or senior in high school when things really begin to settle and it starts to make sense. Now, you may get glimmers before then, little glimpses here and there of right choices and and, uh, right attitudes and that kind of thing, but for for it to all begin to settle... And for them to begin to own it, 
I really think you can't trust what you see until they're a junior or senior in high school because there's too much water left for them to cross. Mm-hmm. So with our kids, that's about when we've we've begun to see some real evidence of them owning their own faith and choosing to live for Christ on their own apart from us. And Dennis, along the way, you get discouraged and they get discouraged. What do you do in the middle of that discouragement? Well, the, the nature of adolescence is discouragement. In fact, uh, Samuel ran into a whole covey full of <laughs> of discouraging circumstances. Uh, his truck broke down. His computer messed up. He tried to fix our computer. and He fixed it. He uh, fixed it all right. <laughs> cost me a computer. And the, 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 the young man was beginning to feel like a teenage Job, uh-huh. okay, you know, as sparks uh, fly, fly upwards. <laughs> so he was born for trouble and misery. And we uh, – we found ourselves sitting shoulder to shoulder down on uh, the uh, where we shoot some baskets together, and uh, I kind of felt compelled to write him a note, and uh, Samuel gave me permission to share this. And I'll read a portion of that letter I wrote Samuel. Dear Samuel, I wanted to write and encourage you. I realize that there have been a number of things go wrong recently. The truck, the wreck, the computer, the boat, quite a streak, huh? See, there was more than just what we listed a while ago. Uh, How about a little perspective? During that same period of time, you went to a a student venture conference, Mm -hmm. had your life changed. You were elected student body vice president. You went to Boys State, received several journalism awards. You were named co-editor of the paper, and you were selected to be the leader to represent your school at at a bank board meeting. You're the top salesman uh, selling tennis shoes at uh, the place where you work. Uh, And the point is, he had a lot of things going for him, and I was reminding him of that. I go on, it may not feel like it right now, but God is with you. He does have a plan for your life to use you. Samuel, God wants you to trust him with all your life. And that begins by receiving the good and the bad that comes into your life. When you prayed last night, giving thanks in all things, you expressed a heart that recognizes that he is in control and that he was worthy of your trust. Don't ever lose that ability. And you know, the purpose of that letter, Bob, was just to come alongside a young man at a discouraging moment and to put uh, our arms around him and to say to him, we love you, we believe in you, we believe God's got a plan for you and he's going to use you. And, And by writing him that letter, we reminded him of that. It's another one of those little investments, little uh, uh, installments that we make into their lives, and you don't look for the instant return. You just keep on being faithful. And you know, that's really the case in all these traps. You just help your son, your daughter navigate this, uh, this dangerous path called adolescence, and you help them uh, keep their eyes up at the finish line where Christ is seated and help them follow Him and be obedient to Him and His Word.